Welcome to this week's edition of Island Recast. For more information on Grand Memorial Presbyterian Church or Pastor David, please go to gmpc.org. At some point in one's life, one should read about the adventures of Peter Pan. J.M. Barry wrote of this fictional little boy who uh, uh, refused to grow up, lived in Never Never Land, and had adventures with, with, with fairies and pirates and all kinds of assorted characters. Uh, actually, made his, uh, Peter Pan made his first appearance in a book by J.M. Barry called The uh, Little White Bird. Uh, delightful story. And then as soon as you finish reading uh, about Peter Pan, uh, the very next book one should read uh, is Lord of the Flies. <laughs> Lord of the Flies. If you've never read Lord of the Flies, oh my goodness. Uh, it's a story about uh, a, a group of, uh, of, of young boys, children, uh, who uh, during during the war during World War II uh, are are being evacuated? Their plane is shot down, and only the kids survive on this uh, deserted island. And uh, and what happens with this group of boys who now have to kind of self-govern and figure out life, and it, it doesn't end well. You know, we talk about. Uh, 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 you know, comparing the two, uh, uh, eternal youth and and and, uh, and 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 being a child and not growing up and oh, it sounds so so wonderful, but there are certainly uh, challenges and prices to pay, uh, and 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 we understand that we understand the importance of growing and maturing, and if a child, uh, if you've if you've had a child and that child is not you know, you take that child to the doctor, uh, uh, you know, for their six-month visit, their 12-month visit, the uh, uh, 18-month, 24 months, and then it's on a year basis. And the and the doctors, they weigh, they measure, they inspect and detect, and they do all this stuff, and they compare the growth of this child, the development of this child against all of these charts. Uh, and there's a range. And as long as your child fits within that range, then you're okay. But if the child doesn't fit within that range, if that child is not growing uh, and developing um, in, a, in a normal, healthy way, well, uh, they pull out all the stops to figure out why. And they, there's actually a medical term that, that, that they use for, for children who are not growing and developing properly, and it's called failure to thrive syndrome. The failure to thrive syndrome. And it's a grievous thing if a child doesn't grow and develop and become, hopefully, a self-sustaining, uh, uh, productive uh, adult contributor to society, right? Isn't that what we all want? Yeah, I tell my kids, you know, you're on your own when you're paying your own health insurance. Uh, if you have your Bibles, I would invite you to open them up. Uh, we're gonna, we're gonna. We're going to start at the end of uh, the fifth chapter of Hebrews uh, and uh, continue into the first couple of chapters, or first couple of verses of chapter six. We'll start at verse eleven, and the author of Hebrews 
it, it, it's so important every now and then as we're working our way through to go back and, and reread what we've already read and think about what we've, we've talked about as the author of Hebrews working with uh, uh, Jewish background believers, probably in Rome, uh, struggling because they're being they're being torn uh, by three different communities. Uh, uh, they're being they're being torn by the secular community. They're being torn by the Gentile background believers who think they are too Jewish, uh, uh, and they are being torn by their their Jewish history that is pulling them back. Uh, into a system of the Old Testament where one's righteousness was based upon one's ability to measure up to all of the requirements of the law. And, and we're not talking just the Ten Commandments here. Uh, within, within Judaism and the, the, three, the three kinds of law that we see uh, in the Old Testament, uh, we see the moral law. Uh, but there's also a civil law and there's a ceremonial law. And if you add all those laws up, it comes up to 613. But wait, there's more. Uh, they were so uh, intent on making sure that people did not violate uh, the 613 laws uh, that made up the moral law and the civil law and the ceremonial law that they began to create fencing laws. Uh, where they would, they would create laws that would literally put a fence around the 613 laws. So to, and then there were, and then there were, you know, the circle just kept going on and on and on to the point where it's like, oh my gosh, you, you literally on the Sabbath, you can't drag a chair, uh, uh, you can't move a chair across the room uh, for fear that uh, if you, if you, if you drug it on a dirt floor, you would, you would, you would dig up, uh, uh, you, you would, you would, you'd plow the floor, and and that's a, you, you can't you can't do that. Uh, uh, but you know there are always ways to kind of kind of skirt around the issues. So say I want to I want to go spend some time with uh, uh, with with uh, with John and Floyd on a on a on a on a Sabbath. Um, I just need to make sure that the day before the Sabbath, I, I stop by your house and leave my coat. Because though I, I left my coat, so I get to, I, I, can, I can travel over to, to, to retrieve my coat, and then we have an opportunity to chat and visit or whatever, and then I'm going to go off and, and do my own work. So, I mean, so they had these laws, and, and, they, and, and it, just, it just became so oppressive. And of course, that is a lot of what Jesus was pushing back on as he dealt with the scribes and the Pharisees, where they made their own traditions more important than the very laws themselves. So the author of, of Hebrews, as he's dealing with the, uh, these Jewish background believers, and they're, they're, they're feeling this tug, and, they're, and, and, they're, and they're, they're coming close to abandoning their faith in Jesus. He wants them to understand the importance of Jesus. He wants them to understand that Jesus is more important than the angels, more important than Moses, that there is a, there is a faith here that they need to hang on to uh, because the current, the current of the culture around is always going to be tugging and pulling. And if you are not anchored, you will drift. And so the, the, the author of Hebrews really wants to make this clear. 
And then, of course, starts talking about the importance of Jesus as the high priest, greatest of all time. Uh, and then last week, we were introduced to Jesus as a high priest in the order of Melchizedek, which is just continually blows me away. And we looked at, a little bit at Melchizedek uh, uh, last week, and uh, we'll look at Melchizedek again after Easter. Um, but uh, in today's in, in today's section, we're looking at chapter 5, verse 11. The, the author is referring to Jesus as the high priest. And, and in verse 11 says, we have much, much to say about this. But it's hard to explain because you are slow to learn. Ouch. You kind of, kind of step back here. In fact... In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's Word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, still being an infant, is not acquainted with the teachings about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use and training, uh, by, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Therefore, let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God, instructions about baptism, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And God permitting, we will do so. So the author of Hebrews is, uh, is addressing spiritually the syndrome of failure to thrive. There's a failure to thrive uh, issue with the readers, the hearers uh, of this sermon. And the, and the author of Hebrews is saying, as you navigate the challenges of this world, if you are not grounded in your theology, then you're going to struggle. You're going to have difficulties. And you're going to have challenges, and, 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 you're, and you're going to make decisions that are not in the best interest of who God is, who you are, and, and, and how it all works together. Much to say about this, but you are slow to learn. Nobody wants to be called a slow learner. I was the slow learner in school growing up. Uh, of course, I had, uh, and now I'm gonna, and now I'm gonna justify why I was a, a slow learner. Uh, un undiagnosed dyslexia, m mild, but enough to kind of throw me off. Uh, and of course, ADD. I, I know this is hard for you to imagine, but as a kid, I couldn't sit still. Um, uh, <laughs> I love the story. The, the, the family going home from church, and the and the and the child says, "You know what? I think when I grow up, I'm going to be a pastor." And the parents look at him and say, wow, really? What? That's what the, okay. What, what brought this on? And he goes, well, I figure if I'm going to go to church every Sunday, I'd rather be standing up and doing the talking than sitting in there doing the listening. <laughs> so, uh, my, uh, uh, Thomas, my mic seems a little hot. 
uh, I, I don't, I, uh, just, I feel like I'm just getting a little uh, reverb back, uh, back on me here. Uh, anyway, okay, so uh, nobody wants to be a slow learner, but the, the, the point is, is that we, one of the things that we hope to do in our children is to develop this concept of being a life learner. And, and sometimes people will get a little bit into something and they stop. Now, maybe they stop because they have no interest in it, or maybe they stop because they think now they know it all. Uh, what, what, what is it that uh, 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 kids, kids, ought to, kids ought to go off uh, and, and be on their own when they're 16 years old, when they, when they know everything, uh, uh, rather than uh, uh, eight years later after college when they realize they know nothing? Uh, but, you know, we, we, we get to a point where we think, okay, I got a handle on this. What does this really mean? How does this work for me? Uh, and, and the author is struggling because the, the community that he's dealing with, in the length of time that they have been followers of Jesus, they ought to be able to be teaching others. But they still need someone to teach them the elementary truths of God's word over and over again. You need milk, not solid food. You can't digest the solid food yet. Love to give you a nice, uh, thick, uh, juicy uh, uh, T-bone steak, or yeah, but you can't handle it right now. You got to have this. You got to have this uh, uh, simple food first. The elementary teachings, and this is the. These are the things that we build our theology on that help us to then navigate the world in which we live. We, we all agree, we all agree on a, on a couple of things. We all agree that the world in which we live is a pretty spectacular place. That, that's, that's really not up for debate. Uh, there, there, are, there are places in this, in this world that are just stunningly beautiful, and the resources that we have that, that we have been able to use and, and, uh, and create what we have been able to create is nothing less, than, nothing less than phenomenal. The world we live in is a pretty special place. I, I, I don't think I would get many people to disagree with that. But on top of that, I think everybody knows that there's something wrong with the world in which we live. There's something wrong. Something's, something's not right. And I think that probably, unless, I, let me just say that probably the majority of people, there's always going to be somebody who says, I don't see anything wrong. It looks like it's going fine with me. Uh, but I think most intelligent people would say there's something wrong with the world. Something's wrong. Where we disagree is how to fix what's wrong. How do we fix what's wrong? And the reason why we disagree is because we're looking at the world through different lenses. And what the author of Hebrews is saying is that you need to look at the world and the challenges that you face through a Christian lens. And once you begin to understand these, these fundamental truths in God's Word, then you're going to be able to have some clarity to deal with the problems and the challenges that we face. And so the, the, he goes on in, in, uh, in chapter 6, in the first part there, to, to, to kind of hit on a couple of them. He says, you know, you need to move on. You need to move on. Leave the elementary teachings about Christ. Go on to maturity. Uh, I'll paraphrase here a little bit. You know, don't, don't spend your time talking about... Uh, 
the foundations of repentance. You know, we trust that Jesus died on the cross for our sins and he rose again. Uh, 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 that, that, you know, repentance from acts that lead to death. Faith in God, who God is. Instructions about baptism. We, last week at the second service, we, we celebrated the sacrament of baptism. What is that? Marking us as belonging to God. Uh, uh, what else here? Uh, the laying on of hands as we, as we pray for, 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 for others. The resurrection of the dead. Jesus rose from the grave. We too will rise uh, in the fullness of time. Um, and eternal judgment. You know, I think about uh, 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 the word that we got in the book of Romans in the 12th chapter where, uh, uh, where Paul writes, remember, leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. It is my, my to, mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. Vengeance is mine, not yours. That eternal judgment, that, that's all going to fall to God. That's all going to fall to God. But there are some other basic things that we need to think and think deeply about. Uh, one, of my, one of my mentors in life, uh, Haddon Robinson, he used to say that thinking is hard work. And thinking about thinking is even harder. So as we, as we think about some of the... Uh, 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 going back up here to, to verse uh, 13 or uh, verse 12 in the fifth chapter, thinking about the elementary truths of God's word. What, what are they? When I think about the elementary truths that help to inform my view of the world and what's going on, first and foremost, I want to talk about God. What do I know about God? And, and <laughs> we don't have the time. Uh, but I want to know who God is. And I love the, one of, the, one of the, the, the statements that the local rabbi uh, said uh, one time at a public event. He says, tell me about the God you don't believe in. Chances are I don't believe in, in, in that God either. So to make sure that we understand who God is as God is presented to us in the Word. What do we know about creation? Think deeply about the fact that this, that this world and this universe, all of creation... Is, is, was spoken to existence by God, and he gave it to us, God gave it to us to be stewards. What does that mean? That's a, there's a whole afternoon conversation in, in just that topic. There's a whole conversation about who God is. But it doesn't stop there. The elementary truths of our faith. Who is Jesus? That's a lot of what we're talking about here. Fully God, fully human. All right, I got that. But what does that mean? Well, let's have an afternoon and sit down and unpack that to make sure that our understanding of Jesus is the Jesus that we're reading about in here and not the Jesus that we've read a, we've read a parable or maybe a gospel once, and, and, and now we're going to kind of cast Jesus. And this is, this is something that people do. I'm going to cast Jesus in my own image. Who is Jesus? What do we know about the Holy Spirit? Who is the Holy Spirit? How does, that, how, how does that work into the calculus? These are elementary truths, important truths that we, uh, it, that we build and we layer our, the foundation of our theology so that we can create this lens through which we can understand the world in which we live. What about humanity? What do we know about humanity? God said, let us create man in our image, in the image of God. He created them male and female. What does, what does that look like? 
What do we know and understand about humanity in light of the fall? What happened when sin entered into the world? That's another great conversation to have. But if we don't have that under, if we don't have that foundation of who God is, what creation is that God has given to us, the role of Christ, the role of the Holy Spirit, our role, what we've done, both good and bad. If we don't, if we don't put all those pieces together, these elementary truths, we're going to have trouble navigating our times. What do we know? about redemption and restoration. It's been said that that time is broken up into four uh, sections, creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. And we find ourselves now, post-redemption, we have that, in the process of restoration. What does that look like in our lives as we become more and more like like Christ. Those are, the, those are the elementary truths. And again, we could spend the afternoon on any one of those topics, and maybe, maybe one of these days we'll do that. We'll just start having these conversations. But those are the elementary truths that we need to have and understand so that we can navigate the world in which we live. If we don't, if we're not able to do that, or if we are operating on a false narrative, and I know many of you have, have worked through with me the, the Good and Beautiful books uh, by, uh, by James Bryan Smith, uh, Good and Beautiful God, Good and Beautiful Life, Good and Beautiful Community, and, and, and that's where the soul exercises came from. Uh, at the end of each chapter, Jim puts a soul exercise and I kind of I kind of nicked those and reworked them a little bit to put them into the into the form that you see on your bulletin, uh, and uh, we printed these off on cards. Uh, and when uh, when we had Jim Smith out here for an event, and he saw this and he saw those cards, uh, he thought that's great. In fact, he took a stack of cards with him uh, when he left. So I have his permission. It, it's. Uh, it's only, it's only plagiarism if you don't tell where you got your source. I, I got it, and he's, he's, he's okay with that. So uh, uh, the, the importance of laying that foundation so that, we can, uh, so that we can then apply ourselves to the next levels of maturity. You start out in school. What's one of the first things that you learn in school? You learn your ABCs. If you don't know your ABCs, you're never going to learn to spell. And if you don't learn to spell, you're not going to. You're, you, you got to learn to spell to recognize the words, and you got to be able to recognize words so that you can read sentences. And you got to read sentences if you're going to read and learn. So everything builds. You don't give a child in the first grade a calculus book and say, "Figure it out." You just don't. You build on it. You build on it. And that's what the author of Hebrews is saying, is that we need to build on these elementary truths of God, work them over and over again. The the, the author is saying, I'm sorry that this is where you are, but you got to be here because I see a failure to thrive. Peter Pan is a myth. The Lord of the Flies is frightening. Let us grow and mature in our faith, understanding these elementary truths. But still being an infant, not acquainted with the teachings about righteousness, but solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. They've trained themselves to distinguish good 
from evil. And that's what we're about. As we use these uh, uh, exercises, three things. Remember the last couple of weeks, I've been, I've been encouraging you to do three things. What are they? Number one, read. Read the Bible. Because this is our external authority. Uh, and my theology is wrong somewhere. I'll, I'll be the first one to admit that. If you can show me where my theology is wrong according to Scripture, I'll be grateful to you. I need this external authority in my life. Number one, we need to read the Bible. Number two, we need to pray. And number three, number three, we need to exercise. And by that, I mean spiritual exercises. It's the spiritual exercises that we engage in as we think deeply about these fundamental truths about God, Christ, Holy Spirit, humanity, creation, repentance, redemption, uh, uh, restoration. As we think about those things, we are able to be more and more discerning. And there's a huge lack of discernment today. I mean, that, that... uh, a couple of ideas that you know, we, 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 need to, we need to sexualize five-year-olds and give 16-year-olds the right to vote. Those are good ideas. Are they? They're ideas. But all ideas are not morally equivalent. There are good ideas and there are bad ideas. How do you know the difference? You know the difference. Because you understand the fundamental truths from God's word about the world in which we live and who our creator is and and the plan that he has made for us to be able to train ourselves to grow and to mature so that we can determine the difference between what is good and what is evil. Again, nothing new, nothing new in the world. Uh, 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 I was reading in Judges, uh, and there's this, there's this story in the book of Judges about, uh, about a guy, guy named Micah. Not, not you, Micah. Uh, there's, another, there's another Micah in the Bible who's a great guy. Uh, but this Micah was a little off. And uh, he steals from his mother. And she notices that she's been burglared, and she's lamenting that, she's, that she has been bereft of, of her property. And her son comes up and says, I took it, Mom. And she goes, oh, okay, bless you. Thank you. Uh, uh, let's, uh, let's take a portion of what you stole and let's turn it into an idol and let's start worshiping in our own home. And so he becomes a self-appointed priest in his home. And then one day a Levite comes to town and he goes, ooh, ooh, a Levite. Hey, why don't you come and live with me and you be my priest? And the Levite says, yeah, sure, I'll do that. The problem is the Levites weren't, allowed to be priests. Only those in the line of Aaron were allowed to be priests. But what it says here in the, set, in the sixth verse of the 17th chapter of, of, my, of, of Judges is that in those days, Israel had no king and everyone did what was right in their own eyes. If you're not grounded, you make it up as you go along. And if you're making it up as you go along, you're going to do what feels good, not necessarily what is good. And in Isaiah... Uh, years later, Isaiah makes the statement in, in the fifth chapter, woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness. These are challenging conversations to have, people. I'm not saying that they aren't. 
But the, but the answer is not to say, well, you know, all ideas uh, have a moral equivalency and it doesn't matter. We just need to, we just need to, we just need to, to, to love people and, and, and let people free to, to, to be able to do whatever it is that they want to do. There are consequences. There are consequences to the choices that are being made, and those consequences are affecting our societies, and they are, and they are affecting God's church today. In, the, in, in my prayer time today, I said, you know, Lord, there's many worshiping communities all over the world, and within those worshiping, worshiping communities is found your true church. There's a lot of immaturity in the body of Christ. It's been said that we're a, we're a, we're a mile wide and an inch deep. We know a little bit, and we think that's enough. We, we, think, that, we think that that's enough. And, and then what we don't know, we're just going to kind of make it up as we go along. And, 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 the, and we're in a mess. The world is in a mess today. When I was in the Navy, I had hair. And uh, the, the one thing about being in the Navy is that you had to have a haircut about every two weeks. You went through inspections and whatnot. Um, and, uh, and my friend and I decided that this was an opportunity to make some money. And so uh, we pulled our resources, we went to the Navy Exchange, and we bought a haircut kit. And we decided that we were going to practice on each other, and once we were accomplished barbers, uh, then we would offer our services uh, to our shipmates uh, at a reduced cost from what they could pay uh, for the barber on base. Sounds good. He went first. And he turned out to actually to be a pretty good barber. But then it was my turn. I butchered his head. I, it was awful. He, he, he went to the barber and paid for the barber to fix my mistake. And all he kept saying is, Wait till I get a second chance at your head. <laughs> Guess what? He never got a second chance at my head. I, gave, I said, you know what? You can, have my, you can have my half of the investment. You knock yourself out. You know, we hear a lot about do-it-yourself uh, uh, do it yourself models. And, 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 and there's a lot of good, there are a ton of things that you can, uh, uh, that you can DYI, do-it-yourself. And you, and you go onto the internet and you type in there into the search engine, and you know the field is populated with all of these things. I wear glasses, and and I hate wearing glasses because they're they're always smudged, and I you know I always carry around a cloth. Uh, uh, handkerchief because I'm always cleaning uh, my glasses. I got to stop and look, and uh, because they get dirty, they get smudged. I was actually at breakfast one time, and a and a person at the table uh, said, uh, "Give me your glasses." He opened up his wallet. He pulled out a little cleaning cloth, and he said, I, the, "The dirt, the, the dirt on your glasses is driving me crazy." Let me say. So he took my glasses and he cleaned them for me. Oh, thank you very much. Uh, but you know what? Without these glasses, I couldn't read. I can't read unless, you know, you get the jumbo print. And the word. I mean, so I, I need my glasses in order to read. I would, suggest, I would suggest to you that we need a lens, a prescriptive lens to read the world in which we live.
And the fundamental truths that the author of Hebrews here is suggesting gives us those lenses. Now, my prescription is not going to work for you. Yours is not going to work for me. For those of you that wear glasses, you ever pick up the wrong prescription and put them on? It's like, whoa, man, you are... So uh, it's important to have the correct prescription to address the issues. And those of you that don't wear glasses... I want to tell you what, you still don't see as clearly as you think you do, especially when it comes to the fundamental issues of the world in which we live. You are looking through a lens, whether you, uh, whether you understand that or not. Every decision that you make is filtered through a lens of your worldview. And if that worldview is contrary to the worldview that God sets up for us in, in His Word, then we're not seeing clearly. So back to the do-it-yourself haircut thing didn't work for me I thought to myself I said oh I wonder if I could ground my own lenses and so I went I went uh, I went to the internet and I typed in do-it-yourself optometry guess how many hits I got none I was stunned not one not one hit the first thing that came up said don't Don't even try. Leave it to the professionals. And, 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 and when it comes to theology, when it comes to, to, to developing a worldview through which we see our world, we think we can grind our own lenses. And you know what? You don't need to have a professional but you do need to have somebody that's going to walk through the Word and, and wrestle. You know, people have said to me, well, you know what, I, the Bible is full of contradictions. Okay, I, you know, let's sit down and let's read, pick a gospel, Gospel of John, I love that gospel. Let's read it together until we come across the contradiction, and then we'll, we'll work through it. Is that fair? I'm not going to come back and say, no, the Bible doesn't have contra- contradictions. Let's go through and let's read until we come up against something that we disagree about. Let's have a conversation. Let's work together as iron sharpens iron so one person sharpens another. And as we do that, as we build on our fundamental, uh, our, our fundamental truths that God is giving to us, we're able to create that lens through which we can accurately see the world in which we live so that we are able to determine and distinguish between good and evil, that which is prudent, that which is not prudent. All things are, are possible, but not all things are profitable. There's a discernment and a wisdom piece that goes on there. And if we're trying to do it by ourselves, we're going to fail every time. We need each other. We need a community so that we can reason together to understand this incredible world that God has given to us so that we can begin to understand where the cracks are and what the problems are so that we can then apply a solution. And and the problem is that we're so fragmented in the church today that nobody wants to hear what we have to say. And so people are gun shy. I'm going to pull back because I don't want to offend anybody. God forbid you should offend anybody. That's the new 11th commandment. (laughs) My, My wife, Jody, I love her to pieces. Somebody says to her, well, I'm offended by that. Her response is, well, I can live with that. Let's continue with talking about the argument that I'm presenting to you. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, Because today, if you simply say I'm offended, that means the conversation stops so we don't go any further. 
really, you're offended by that. Let, let's unpack that. Tell me why you're offended. Help me to understand what it is that, that you believe that's different than what I believe. And help me to understand what you mean by that. And, and I'd be really fascinated to know how you came to that conclusion. Are those conversations that we can have today? In some circles, no, which is unfortunate. In the church, we have to have those conversations. We absolutely have to. We need to drill down and build that solid foundation of our theology in Christ so that we have the accurate lens to look at the world. Because without that, we're going to find ourselves in a combination of Peter Pan and the Lord of the Flies. And we're not going to get better. It's going to get worse. It'll continue to deteriorate. Our challenge is to not fall into the trap of failure to thrive, but to make sure that we are growing and maturing in our faith and understanding of who God is, who Christ is, who He has created us to be, and the opportunities that we have to live into the kingdom of God and show the world that there is real and lasting hope. Thank you for listening to Island Recast. For more information, please go to gmpc.org. The Bible tells us that there will come a time when, uh, 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 when people will just not put up with sound doctrine and theology, uh, but will gather teachers to tickle their ears and tell them what they want to hear. Um, and some people have said that that's where we are today. Not on my watch. Hopefully not on our watch. Uh, we need to have the hard conversations. Uh, we need to wrestle with these elementary truths so that we can grow. We need to be reading the Word of God. We, we need to be praying, asking for wisdom. And we need to be exercising, those spiritual exercises. And we need to have conversations with one another. And I'm available. I'm willing. Uh, if, uh, if one of those elementary truths kind of uh, uh, sparked some curiosity, uh, reach out to me. Uh, we'll figure out uh, a time when we can do it. And uh, let's grow together as well. I guess that's what I'm saying. I, I, I desire more than anything for us to grow together to correct uh, the prescription lens through which we look at the world so that we can uh, live in the kingdom of God and enjoy the abundant life that Jesus promises us. And that's an inner peace and contentment that comes from knowing that you're resting in God's truths.